Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. Hello all and welcome to the next of our In Conversation series. Delighted to be here this afternoon with Nikki Anani and we will be discussing everything to do with common generational divides, family business and family offices and how to overcome them with a focus specifically on next-gen females as well. So I'm just going to invite, here we go, um, now let me, I still haven't quite cracked this, so bear with me. Oh, hang on. Uh, da, da, da. It's two seconds. Um, but I'm really excited about this conversation as well. Um, so yeah, could not wait for us to share. I am good, thank you. It's slightly sunny in London today for a change, which makes a huge oh, difference. Nice. That's lovely. It's it's been sunny here for for today at least. Um, we've had a spate of a lot of rain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the sun is welcome. Um, well, I mean, same. Same over here. Well, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Um, I'll give a little bit of background. So Nikkei is an entrepreneur, speaker, and succession specialist. She helps her clients to bridge the gap between the senior and younger generation. She's got over a decade of family business expertise in Nigeria and a second generation family business owner and leader herself. Um, she's also the podcast runner of Connected Generation, which I completely encourage all of you to go and listen to to get some insights on leadership, next gen wealth, all of her tips and tricks. And she's got some amazing people that she speaks to as well. Um, but again, today we're going to be discussing common generation divides family business and family offices and how to overcome them with the focus on female next gens because there is they are coming and it's amazing and I'm loving this transition but tell me tell me in a nutshell what do you do how do you do it how have you got here (laughs) um maybe I'll start with how I got here and then I'll answer what I do and how I do it um how did I get here I'm a second gen business owner I, my family, my father started off our family business the year I was born. So business has always been in my life, all my life. But at some point it became at the forefront of my life. Um, You can probably hear, I spent a lot of time in the UK. So from age nine, I was in the UK. um, And after university, I studied economics at UCL. I worked in corporate in Deloitte for a few years. um, But I found it quite hollow. I found it whilst it was really great and I really loved the people. Um, I just felt like it was, there was a part of me that was missing and it was what really truly lit me up. So I decided to come to Nigeria um, because my father had stayed in Lagos, Nigeria the whole time whilst we were in the UK and decided to start working alongside him to really discover what my true passion was. And there it was, entrepreneurship. Absolutely fell in love with entrepreneurship. 
But around the time when I got married, then had, we had a son, my mindset shifted from being life, lifetime oriented to being legacy oriented. And I became obsessed with concepts, things, people that would outlive their originators. And I also started to think about family businesses outliving the people that built them, like my father's, and even outliving myself and my kids. And that's when the obsession for family businesses really originated. And um, I trained up as an advisor. And so today I help business owners in building legacy businesses, businesses that will outlive them. And how I do that is really with the next generation. A lot of eyes are on the founder, naturally, because they have the checkbook, they have all the power. But everyone overlooks the next generation because apparently they don't have power. Um, but I think it's not only immoral, it's actually uncommercial, if that's the word. Is that a word? Uncommercial? It's not commercial. <laughs> um, because they're the future. Um, and you know, that has been a lot of this, the biggest intergenerational wealth transfers about to happen, right? Where we'll see the greatest wealth transfer the world has ever seen. And so next geners are going to be really influential and important. Essentially, I help to bridge the gap between the two generations in family firms so that founders and next geners can practice collective leadership. They can be better connected because I have a, a concept and theory that family enterprise, in order for them to be transformational, um, transformational not only to the families that own them, but also to the world and leave a lasting legacy, they have to be really connected. And so I help to bridge I think that. that's such an important topic as well. Yeah. And having that concept of, you know, purpose over profit yeah. and long-standing. And we want things to be, you know, ingrained into society more than it just being flipping businesses, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so who do your who are your main sort of clients? Uh, are you based just with, you know, uh, clients in Nigeria? Do you have international? Where? Well, so they? my main clients are next gens, female next gens, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are anywhere. <laughs> um, it's really interesting. Whilst there's a lot of, you know, nuances and cultures and what have you, geographies. Really, the issues that um, next gen space are unifying across the board and it's usually one of wrestling with identity of wealth particularly for women who um, you know this have tend to have a confidence gap when it comes to managing money and investing in money but also tend to have an identity crisis when it comes to accepting that they're inheritors. Because we are conditioned as women to be the damsels in distress that marry our princes, that rescue us. We are supposed to marry up, right? Um, but then when you're a potential inheritor, it's then, well, that's kind of threatening that dynamic. How does that work? Mm. So a lot of ladies want to dissociate themselves from that wealth they see it as a sense of sh a source of shame um 
so that they can be attractive to a wider pool of suitors. Yeah, and not threaten the men who should be not you know, the, the breadwinner. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a really important um, point that you made about sort of, it's not just the cultural differences, but it's also these gender stereotypes that are coming into play as well, in terms of that is going to be changing across the, the different generations. You know, I think we're a little bit more forthcoming now with women understanding that they are entitled to wealth and it is something that is not just for men. But actually, I think this is where you probably are instrumental with orchestrating the families is, is getting, you know, the maybe the patriarchal figure in the family business to understand that his daughter is capable of managing the yep. business. And also the other way around as well getting her to understand that she's capable yeah. so quite often she will have confidence issues because she's never really taken a flair for her voice has not been she's never had a voice in family wealth and family business matters so she's never really thought it's for her it's for her brothers her uncles mm -hmm. her father um and it's really getting her to see that she has a voice actually her voice is very important because the way women think and the way men think is completely different um i think families are endowed with natural diversity that other institutions do not necessarily have to have a business does not have to have people of different ages or of, of different genders they choose to but a family would usually have different ages different generations and usually have both genders right um and that diversity that cognitive diversity is a source of strength that we can leverage upon. We see that women are more purposeful in their entrepreneurship and in their investing. And the world really needs that right now with all the many social issues we're facing. So it's really getting families to appreciate that diversity that they have, um, move away from just having mere diversity because you're, um, we're both coexisting but not necessarily co-creating, right? Yeah. We need to yeah. move from coexistence to co-creation through inclusivity, not just the natural diversity. Yeah, and, and I imagine that's probably something that's been happening for generations and generations is that if there's the oldest son, he will be the one to get it and then the girls just sort of almost get the payout from it. And they're very much out of control when it comes to maybe trust structures that they might have, business decisions, they don't have a seat at the table. Or maybe yep. they do, but they don't have a voice while they're sat there as well. So I think that's really, you know, you don't want that tokenism. Like, yeah, we've got her here, but she's not engaged and she hasn't exactly. got an opinion. Exactly. Oh, I think, that's yeah, we, we have to move from just being diverse to being inclusive, mm. um, to also enabling and encouraging challenging. By that mm. I mean, we need to have challenges that challenge our lines of thought. Mm. So we are truly being, expanding the horizons of our thinking and able to get unique solutions. Because mm. the issues we're facing in our world as business owners and as investors is one of decision-making. Mm. Our world is so disruptive right now um, and we have to become so adept at making decisions. So we need to be able to have a, a method, a mechanism 
through which we make quality decisions. And that can't, can't happen where, like you said, I'll never forget when you were on the podcast and you said, there's a difference between nodding and understanding. Mm. There's also a difference between nodding and agreeing. We don't want nodding, we don't want agreeing, we actually want challenging. We want to challenge the status quo. We want to stretch the thinking of the status quo to make sure, is this still relevant for today? Is this, will this be still relevant for tomorrow? So inclusivity is actually the bare minimum. We want a, a culture that accommodates and allows for disrupting the, the status quo. Yeah, and I think that that's that. I think this as well needs to be encouraging businesses, not just private family businesses, but businesses as a whole. You know, instead of just doing their tick box exercise, they actually need to say, right, who are all these incredible people from different backgrounds, different experiences, and how can we utilize this to have the best effect later on? It's not just for us, but it's for the next generation. And I think there's a lot of consideration, and hopefully, we've got a lot more feminine energy coming into the leadership roles as well, which will help to rebalance this very negative um you know ultra capitalist um mentality that we've got now where it's all profit 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 and i know that you're really um very aware of mental impact that you know and mental well-being and and people living harmoniously um and i think that this is where yeah we need more of you (laughs) yeah there needs to be just it's a return it's like conscious capitalism isn't it right where it's not this shameless pursuit of shareholder maximization to mm-hmm. the detriment of people, to the detriment of planet, mm-hmm. um, to the detriment of ethics or morality. It's really just, um, yeah, thinking more wide and thinking about the impact of our decisions on wider stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I'm very excited to see, and I can I can feel it with the democratization of investment platforms, of of knowledge, of access to knowledge in across the the globe as well. And people understand now that investment is a form of action in mm. terms of voting with your money, um, which is very exciting to see. And there's something that I'm sure that you helped your clients to navigate as well. Um, so, so just going back to, to when you're, you're working with a family business, what are some of the tools that you use to help to, to manage this effectively? Because I'm sure it's not as, as easy as everybody sit down and let's get along. <laughs> um, humans are innately uh, difficult sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I focus on nurturing the three C's, which I say mm-hmm. are clarity, clarity of vision, mission, clarity of values and purpose, um, collaboration, understanding that we are a team and we all participate in our team um, activities and communicating, communicating both from the head and from the heart. And how we get to there, so that's the destination. How we get to there is really nurturing psychological safety, that place where we're able to not feel at risk if we make mistakes we challenge the status quo we submit our ideas that place where we all feel i belong here my ideas belong here my thoughts belong here um whatever those may be positive or negative my emotions belong here because in families we all know it's emotions it's a very emotional unit right um often in family enterprises 
will be fighting about, you know, who has control. But really what we're fighting about is the real underlying issue is I felt neglected by dad from a young age because he was never there for me. Or I felt he preferred Johnny to me. There's some sibling rivalry going on, right? Um, so it's important to create that, that safety where we're able to talk about the intellectual as well as about the emotional. And then it's important also to have proximity. By that, I mean emotional proximity where we're able to understand the lens through which we each see life. Because the lens through which we see life is our reality, right? Um, it's being able to develop deep empathy for one another and understand that we all have unique perspectives, um, unique priorities, unique preferences. And it's important to be able to be like actors. I was listening to a podcast with Jay Shetty and Will Smith was on there. Oh, and he was talking about how being an actor has like transformed his life because he has to be able to suspend all his judgment, his emotions, take off the way he sees things to fully embody a character, even when he completely disagrees with that character's like life beliefs and purpose, right? Um, and I think it's the same in families. We have to be able to suspend and, you know, put away all our emotions, presuppositions, to be able to take on how it is dad would see this, or how it is mom would see this, or my siblings would see this, to be able to then articulate ideas in a way that would be palatable to them. So yeah, in short, it's, it's developing the three C's through the three P's, having a, a strong sense of what is our purpose as a family? <laughs> What's our collective purpose? Not the purpose that's been dictated by a dominant figure, right? What's the collective purpose at, at, as a family at a given point in time? Because that will evolve with time as well, because the family members change. Um, the world changes, right? It should be dynamic as opposed to static. Um, do we have safety where we feel, I belong here, my ideas belong here, um, and we're co-creating ideas where we're, we're going through this share and discover as opposed to um, being told, <laughs> right? Um, being dictated at what um, the direction of the business or what's going to happen with the investments and what have you. And then developing that proximity where we're able to see things the way our other family members do. So we're able to influence them more effectively through appropriate communication of our ideas. That's, yeah, okay. That, I mean, that is totally logical. Now, my question is, when would somebody instruct you? Because sometimes what I'm... Every, when everything's fine, everything's fine. When the shit hits the fan, this is when you have to pull in the professionals, usually. Um, and maybe some families have already got this maybe uh, underutilized uh, mechanics of how they are currently structuring, but they might not see that as being a problem or an issue uh -huh. with the longevity of it. So how, I don't know if this is a, a real curveball question, but how would you try <laughs> and approach that? Or how do you, how do you kind of, Say, guys there's a better way of doing this mm -hmm. usually i'm pulled in the room at point of crisis i'm usually pulled in the room um either mm -hmm. a next gen wants to leave the family business um uh founders having really huge difficulty and seeing to eye eye to eye with their family members um 
And it usually starts with me engaging with the next gen one-on-one where I try to influence them to be an effective change catalyst in the family system. And the thing is, a family is a system. So as I'm changing, my everyone else is responding, right? There's huge levels of interdependence between all the family members. So once you start working one-on-one with the next gen, it will have knock-on effects on the family. And then the, fam- the next gen gains trust in the process, gains trust in themselves. And then, you know, usually advocates for you to come into the family system and facilitate conversations like a family meeting and what have you. So that's usually the trajectory, but it's not always linear. It's not always tidy. Families are not linear. Families are not tidy. Families don't have a blueprint, a prototype. They're unique. (laughs) So every, every case, so to speak, is unique. And you have to approach it with, a fresh pair of eyes yeah exactly well and i think that that kind of also kind of overlaps a little bit with what i'm doing in terms of helping women when they're navigating a divorce you know that's when it's crisis mode and it's when the emotions are the highest so when you're saying you've got to sort of um you know remove that that is usually the hardest thing to navigate from the outset is washing the emotions out and saying right what are the facts here and how are we going to move forward what does each person want what are the outcomes and then going in that way i think is probably what you experience as well for sure that's why i said it's important to make room for the intellectual Mm. and the emotional Mm. um one without the other it would be completely ineffective i think uh historically the industry has focused on family businesses are failing because they don't have succession plans. They don't do wealth planning. Uh But they fail to acknowledge and see the importance of the emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. Where we are emotional beings who on occasion think, right? As opposed to rational beings who have emotion. Um, It's important to, to realize that, yeah, these engagements can be, sometimes you start off very linear and it's all nice and tidy and then you realize that one family member has deep-rooted emotional trauma to deal with. And that's stopping the succession process because perhaps um, the patriarch or the matriarch have deep fear of death, anxiety about transitioning. And um, that has to be acknowledged and dealt with. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's fusing the intellectual with the emotional. Yeah, I mean, when are the royal family going to hire you? Because I feel that they need a <laughs> I feel like they're quite um, robotic but I might just be an outsider but I think, again this is kind of why they've broken out as well as they're like hey we're human yep <laughs> nope. if they would just acknowledge their humanity I think mm-hmm. yeah I and I think a lot of people neglect that and I think this is also where corporations become a machine rather than yep. a human you know a human bubble um no i love this um, and i mean i could just chat to you for hours and hours and hours um but <laughs> let's get on to the, the female angle of it as well and you know the challenges specifically for women of wealth in terms of maybe leadership and perception i know we touched on it a bit but i don't know if you've got any examples or, or anything that you've seen mm-hmm. so a lot of family businesses are historically have been in male dominated industries because of mm-hmm. patriarchy right so either originating in like the agriculture space 
or manufacturing, construction. So often female successors um, have a lot to wrestle with in terms of, is this sphere for me? Do I fit in here? Um, am I welcome here? Um, so there's a lot of, you know, the gender confidence gap where if they feel that they're not conditioned, they're not permitted to be in certain fields, that's greater levels of friction for them to build confidence. Um, mm -hmm. And then they start telling themselves they're not competent, this is not for me. So there's need to really assist um, female next gens with leadership, um, building their confidence, building their conviction, um, getting them to lead through that, like you said, their feminine energy. You don't have to necessarily mimic and imitate what you've seen. Um, a lot of next gens don't have um, their mothers were not necessarily active in the business. So there's no model to go by. Um, and I really think that representation really matters. Um, modeling really matters. Affinity matters. They're, they're dealing with issues that their male family members are not necessarily dealing with. Like I said, you know, for a man, wealth is empowerment, right? Um, whether he inherits it or he, he doesn't. But for a woman, it's, it's not. Um, a woman might internalize it as it's a, you know, it's a hindrance to her freedom. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done with mindset. There's also, inheritors also tend to feel that they don't, um, they're, they're not, they didn't legitimately earn what they have. Yeah. Whether it's um, as, a leadership position in the business or assets that they, you know, they're inheriting. And there's a lot of mindset reorientation that needs to happen with that. Yeah, you didn't necessarily earn it with your blood, sweat and tears, but you contributed towards its success in some way, if you're, whether you're aware or not, um, whether you're aware or not, um, the family capital is, it goes beyond just financial capital. It's also intellectual capital, social capital, political capital, which all family members are depositing towards whether they're aware or not, right? Um, uh, yeah, and I think that's a really important point that you're making there is it's not just about the money. It's a much bigger uh, ecosystem surrounding this concept of family. You know, it's not just what's on the balance sheets and what's going in and out. It's actually the impression that you're leaving within your community or the services that you're providing and the perception from your clients um, for the family business as well that you are impacting as well. And so it's that element of stewardship, um, yep. which I think is what people need to kind of come to terms with. Because uh, again, yeah, uh, it's very similar with some of my clients, but in terms of the, I don't deserve this. Um, yep. It's like, no, 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 but you have got it. And so you need to manage your relationship with your wealth um, in order to make it healthy. Yeah. And also stewardship yeah. leaves, stewardship is heavy. <laughs> the pressure to steward is heavy. It mm. can leave folks feeling stewardship anxiety. Will I be able to maintain all that mom and dad have built or grandpa and granddad have built? Can I take it to the next level? Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that regard as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, well, coming back to you, what what are your visions and goals for the next 12 months, though? Because we're talking about longevity here. And what what are you doing personally? 
Yeah, um, interestingly, I'm doing a lot of transforming. Um, firstly, I'm moving in about a week to the US. We spoke about, so yeah, <laughs> that's real. Um, <laughs> changing one's geography. I've been back in Nigeria now for 10 years. So this, I haven't moved in a long time. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to the newness, a new beginning, um, settling in the family, um, new connections building on and nurturing um, old connections, new opportunity as the US and we're moving to Texas, which to be honest, only shut down for a very brief moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah. they, they're back to the old normal. Um, looking, forward to, looking forward to physical events again, mm. a hug, a handshake, yeah. a coffee, <laughs> right? As opposed to a Zoom, a Teams, a Webex, mm -hmm. which is the worst of all, God, Webex is like, everyone <laughs> <laughs> here is from Webex. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a fresh start. Yeah, I think it's going to be so exciting. I can't wait to see what you come up with next as well. And it's just going to grow and grow and grow. I'm very excited <laughs> for you. Um, so before I start, right, I will literally just keep chatting to you all afternoon. I'm sure <laughs> but... Um, what would your three top tips be for maybe families who maybe have got a little niggles in the background or, you know, what are the three top tips for like a, a smooth running family business? Mm. I would say work on proximity, getting close to each other, not in, when well, I'm not talking about geographical, but emotional. Um, so mm -hmm. seek to understand each other and develop deep empathy for one another and that usually only comes about when you've listened um, and observed. Observed not just what they're saying verbally, but non-verbally. Non-verbal communication is like 80% of it or something like that. It's, it's more significant than the verbal communication. Yeah. Um, so I would say really listen to your family members, listening with your head, listening with your heart um, to Get, get a deep understanding of what are each of their aspirations, their fears, what are they seeing, thinking, doing, and um, saying. Those are usually cues to, you know, those aspirations and deep fears. Once you're able to get there, then it's a lot easier to be able to collaborate because then you understand the perspective through which they see things. Um, and are able to more effectively um, influence, minimise, we minimise a lot of conflict that way. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really important point that you've made there, is crisis and conflict do not contribute to happy families, yeah. but they can be resolved through communication. Um, yeah. And I think it is just, I mean, I'm fascinated by, how, like, yeah, the whole kind of, conflict in families and how people just don't feel like they can say anything yeah. because of shame or you know there's some sort of burden that they've maybe interpreted as well it might not be the truth um but it's everybody's individual truth that needs to come to the table which is really important because again what you said before about you know your eyes and your lens and reality are very yeah. different because your you, you know your parents or the, the previous generations would have had very different experiences and expectations yeah. and managing those and understanding it from both sides of the story which is yeah amazing and another thing i would just like to add is 
conflict is, conflict is not always bad, mm. you know. Um, we want to run away from or minimize having destructive conflict, but there's such a thing as constructive conflict because you don't want to be... Um, Safe, psychological safety is not the same as psychological comfort, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we don't want a situation where all family members don't want to rock the boat and start having difficult conversations. We just want to keep the peace. But there's so much suppressed emotion. Um, we want there to be safety to express even difficult emotions or difficult conversations so we can address them. Um, that's constructive as opposed to destructive. Yes, yes. And I think that is so important because the weight of passive aggressive <laughs> conflict management can be more detrimental later down the line because then it will explode and so, then things will definitely not go to Then it will be destructive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is amazing. Well, just finishing off then, I guess, um, where can we find you if anybody wants to get in touch with you to find out more about what you do and if they're going through you know, what any of these scenarios, how you can help them. I am on my website, www.firstnamelastname.com. Nike, N-I-K-E, Anani, A-N-A-N-I.com. Also, obviously, here on Instagram, um, my handle's at Nike Anani. But on my website, everything is there. So links to my podcast, links to my different social media, uh, my email address, and other resources as well. But yeah. Brilliant. And I'll tag them all in when I when I post this up. Oh, but thank you. Thank you so much. I love I always thank love you. people. I love so you. calm. And you know, I, I'm just like, you know, if I was ever in a conflict situation, I would want you by my side. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Lottie. I love this. Yeah, I love chatting to you. And I'll I will catch up with you very soon and get very all soon. up. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you get on with in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Oh thank you right well thank you everybody for joining us this afternoon thank as well you. um and thank you thank you for for being here awesome take care see you later bye bye, bye. thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did if you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit, where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.